The following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 47, Mission in the Maze. I thought I killed you, yelled the king with anger, rising at once from his throne and reaching for his great spear and his shield. Before him was Maroc, and with him, crouching on the floor, was the slave girl, Celeste, who he held there by a chain around her neck. Maroc had signs of having been wounded, for there were scars upon his face and arms, but other than this, he appeared strong, and he met the king's gaze steadily as he spoke. Sire, said Maruk, it is known that I serve only you. And yes, your power is great, and you did put me down, but as you can see, I have returned. Be not angry, sire. For I am here for a chance to win back your respect. I have your woman here, whom I have captured, and so, you know that I can get you many more like her, including your Treya. I overheard what was said here, and I assure you that I am the goblin meant to lead this mission. This woman is already yours, Majesty, for you have paid for her. But let me take her as bait, and I will win her elf sister back, and you can have them both. I need no further payment, Lordship. Only give your word, and I will finish the mission that the hunter could not. The king growled. It seemed impossible that Maroc could have survived the brutal mauling, yet here he was. There was more to this than had been revealed. Perhaps a few spies could be assigned to the mission to find out the secret. There would be no need for Maroc to live after that. Go then, said the Goblin King. Make your preparations. He put the shield down. Fail me again, Maruk, and next time I will use the spear on you instead of claws, and next time it's going straight through your heart. Yes, sire, said Maruk, bowing low before leaving the room. If you have not yet done so, visit the Iron Realm website at theironrealm.com or theironrealm.blogspot.com and subscribe to the RSS feed and join you as well as a follower of the blog. Never miss a single offering from the realm again. And have you gotten your hands on Voices in the Void?
a periodic newsletter for the Iron Realm podcast. Get the commentary and news on current and upcoming episodes from the realm. I'll see you there. <laughs> Real role play. The chain on Celeste's neck was tight as he pulled her down the corridors of stone. I've already got my prize, Marak told the woman. And by using you and your power, I no longer fear the guard, or the king, or anyone else. I'll let the king think he's getting his way for now, but the king has enemies. With your powers in my hands, and with this mission as the proof, I'm going to show them that maybe it's time for a new king. And one more thing. Using the chain, he pulled her close to him, so close that the heat of his breath was on her face. Celeste couldn't breathe. She grasped at the chain with her hands, trying desperately to pull it away as it tightened on her throat. You listen to me. Don't tell a soul about any of this. You hear me? You, girl, and the things you can do. We'll just keep that our little secret. Stay right by Maroc. And I'll keep my end of the bargain. Feed you. But first, I'm going to lock you up. Here. In my quarters. No one else is gonna get to you here. As she struggled on the chain, with her feet almost off the floor now, he looked her up and down for a long moment before finally letting the chain go loose. <sighs> Maruk paused to finger his way through a ring of keys before opening the door and putting her inside. Celeste stumbled to the ground. Don't make any noise, the goblin told her. I'll be back to tend to you tonight. The Iron Realm, copyright A. Lenzo, is an extreme reimagining of the fantasy setting. Today's podcast features selected audio by Kevin McLeod, which can be heard unedited and in full at incompetech.com. Further information can be found under this episode's summary at theironrealm.com and theironrealm.blogspot.com Secrets of the Maze Master, Maze Master, Maze Master Should the craft of classic gaming ever be lost to the world, the secret arts may yet survive and rise again 
through those techniques I reveal to you on Secrets of the Maze Master. Our topic tonight, waging combat in the Iron Realm. The realm is a violent place, and when an attempt at a positive reaction falls through, bloody combat is often the result. And of course, at the Maze Master's discretion, there may be no opportunity at all to avoid a fight. As with an enemy ambush, a surprise attack, or an encounter with a creature simply too antagonistic or wild to ever compromise. Both sides come into combat with only one goal, to defeat their enemies, either by driving them off or else delivering unto them the cold finality of death. When combat begins, the Maze Master divides all combatants into two sides. One side consists of those friendly to the tribe, while the other side consists of all their opponents. Combats are chaotic and furious, with most actions by friend or foe happening simultaneously upon the field of battle. Yet for purposes of the game, the combat is divided into rounds, while the allies and their enemies take turns on the attack. During each round of combat, each participant who is able has the opportunity to perform a significant action and is also allowed to maneuver according to his or her speed allowance. The action may be a melee attack, a missile attack, the casting of a spell, locating an item in a backpack, and so on. Because the combat round is just 10 seconds, actions taken must necessarily be short, and generally only one can be performed per combat round. Sometimes a very quick action will not count toward this limit and may be performed as well, such as shouting a warning to allies or unsheathing a weapon from its scabbard. With regards to movement allowed, this is up to the Maze Master's discretion, yet the armor worn by a character is normally a guide. One dressed in plate mail can move 30 feet per round, whilst one wearing chain mail can move 60, one wearing leather can move 90, and one wearing just robes or normal clothing can move 120 feet. While meanwhile creatures each tend to have their own unique movement rates which are based upon armor, natural advantages, or other factors, with some being faster than any human or demi-human. 
in combat when both sides are initially unaware of each other. A d6 roll is made on each side for surprise. A die roll of one or two indicates that that side is surprised. If both sides are surprised, the rolls are simply ignored. Yet if only one side is surprised, then their opponents gain a free surprise round of combat during which they are allowed to strike, whilst the defenders, still trying to collect their wits, cannot. In combat, when a side acts, it is up to the Maze Master to decide the order in which the participants engage. Will fighters move to the front first? Or will bows and slings be shot first? Will that side open with a spell? Or will vulnerable members first move to the back? The combatants will engage in the order chosen, one after another, until all on that side have had an opportunity, and especially when playing solitaire, using one's tactics wisely and efficiently choosing the order of actions can very well make the difference between victory and defeat. Enemy actions can be chosen at random if that enemy is unintelligent, as can its targets, while the actions of an intelligent enemy should be determined to be as deadly as possible by the Maze Master. If there is a surprise round, allow the side with the advantage to engage with all its combatants before moving on to round one. The rules I am about to present here are applied to round one and to each subsequent round of combat. Remember, combat rounds continue until one side successfully disengages from the fight, or until all combatants on one side are successfully neutralized or slain. During a combat round, to find out which side goes first, each side rolls a d6 for initiative, and the side with a higher number will go first. If, on the other hand, both sides tie for initiative, then the actions of both sides are considered to be truly simultaneous, and every combatant on both sides will have an opportunity to act before the round is over. The first thing a side does on its turn is perform a bravery check, if applicable. The tribe, on the other hand, considered to be the Maze Master's own characters, never need to make bravery checks. Their decision to fight or flee is up to the Maze Master, and will be decided purely on strategic reasons. Indeed, the decision to retreat may be the most tactically sound choice, yet should the opponent be faster the decision to flee may simply delay the inevitable. Once a round's required bravery checks, if any, are complete, 
the side with initiative priority may now engage one at a time until all who are able have completed their actions. Spells not centered on the caster normally require line of sight to the target, as do missile attacks. Spells don't usually require a roll to hit, and each is handled in a unique manner according to its description. But attacks with melee and missile weapons do require a roll on a 20-sided die. A high enough number indicates a hit and the weapon's damage may be dealt, while a low number indicates a miss. If the 20-sided die comes up, a natural 20, that is to say, the die indicates a 20 before any modifiers are applied, then the damage dealt by the weapon is doubled. In the Iron Realm, doubling occurs after all bonuses have been added, resulting in the most lethal possible shot. Meanwhile, a roll of a natural one during the attack is not only a failure, but also disallows the combatant from taking any action in the following round either. The Maze Master finds out if a given roll hits by considering the number rolled and adding in any possible bonuses, such as strength bonuses for melee or dexterity bonuses for missile attacks. If a weapon is magic or if its wielder is highly trained, this may result in further bonuses too. Once all bonuses and penalties have been considered, and indeed the final value may be greater than 20 or lower than 1, then this final value is measured against the opponent's armor value to see if damage has indeed been dealt. To hit an armor value of 10, a 9 is required, while to hit an armor value of 7, a 12 is required. An armor value of 5 requires a 14, and an armor value of 3 requires a 16. When an opponent's armor value drops by 1, the hit roll required rises by 1, until ultimately a 19 is required to hit armor value 0, and a 20 is required to hit armor value negative 1. When an opponent has insanely powerful armor or defenses, even a 20 may not be any longer enough to hit. For example, while a 20 will strike an opponent with a negative 5 armor value, a 21 is required for an opponent with a negative 6, and a 22 is required for an opponent with a negative 7 armor value. From these rules that I have offered, it is possible to create a full chart of hits required for every armor value. Yet it must be mentioned that creatures with more than one die of life points would use a different chart. For example, while a one die creature 
would require a 19 to hit armor value 0, a creature with a little more than one die, up to two dice, would require only an 18, and a creature with a little more than two dice of life points, up to three, would require a 17. This pattern continues, granting a bonus of one for every extra die that a creature has, and yet humans and demi-humans do not gain the same advantage, at least not so quickly. A fighter would gain a bonus of two upon reaching level four, while a cleric must reach level five and a wizard level six. You now have the basics you need in order to understand combat resolution in the realm. May you use your new wisdom wisely to victory <laughs> or defeat. Personas. The unicorn girl with the red hair on tonight's Iron Realm. Nim is a Uname healer. Strength 7, Dexterity 5, Constitution 9, Charisma 9, Intelligence 9, and Wisdom 12. She is level 1 and possessed of 6 life points. Nim was born on the fifth day of Sexus, and she is nineteen years old. She has amber eyes, almond-brown skin, and red hair. Nim stands five foot five inches and weighs a hundred nine pounds. Her preferred armor is any form of enchanted leather. Her preferred weapon, the warhammer, and her homeland, the iron realm. Description. Nim wears her long red hair in a tight braid. She has a round, oval-shaped face with two amber eyes set slightly far apart. Her skin is an almond brown and she has an attractive figure. Her horn is a deep brown like that of an English oak tree. Personality. Of the two healers, Nim is the more practical of the two. Unlike Twyla, who is led by her compassion for others, Nim is guided and inspired by the laws of nature which she looks to and finds in beings and in places throughout the realm. Although her healing powers are innate, Nim is also interested in alternative methods of healing such as those that rise from the use of herbs and medicines. Nim is fairly direct, and she displays this to others in her words and in her manner. Combat. Nim is eager to fight alongside her sisters in hand-to-hand -hand combat, especially in support of Nora. Nim is not always agile, however, and sometimes needs extra time to react to combat situations. Although Nora is working to train Nim, the healer is best suited for the time being to a support role in combat. 
was the second born of four half-unicorn sisters, with Twyla being younger than herself and with Nora being older. Nim considers herself to be the voice of reason for their family, and she is fairly wise, although her opinions are sometimes also sharp when it comes to judging others. Nim had a special bond to her father, Hyren, who taught her much when she was a young girl, and she secretly believes that he may still be alive, out in the maze, still searching for Celeste, still searching for them all. Allies. Under Nora's direction, the Uname united with the humans and demi-humans in order to find their mother. Nim views them almost as her adoptive family, a notion to which she is very much opposed. Accepting them in any other way than the most pragmatic feels to her as if she is turning her back on her mother and her father. Nim treats the others with respect, but she is not ready to let her guard down with people she still considers strangers. Current. Having recently lost her sister, Sira, Nim is working to maintain her practical exterior. She did not consider herself to be especially close to Sira, although losing her is still a terrible shock and has caused Nim to face one of her greatest fears that Sira is not the last of their family who is going to die and that the family she once knew is truly gone. A portion of tonight's female voice performance was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. Tribal Matters The Maze 41 across, 27 down, 43 across, 31 down. Level Alpha 1. It is the 21st day of Primaris, 9.30 a.m., and the group is holing up in the Kobold Barracks. Nora is at 16 out of 18 life points. The group's spells are as follows. Treya, Aura against Evil, Kailana, Illumination, Amazar, Door Denial, Orson, Ventriloquist. The group knows they shall soon march back to the Moss Lichen Room where they shall confront the goblins in hopes of exchanging hostages for the kidnapped mother of the Uname, Celeste. This morning the group goes together, all together, to the steam cavern for their supply of water is so low that there is simply not enough to meet the needs of the tribe without this trek. 
Although ultimately it is decided that the goblins and Twyla, Nora, and Nim will stay behind and they will together drink the last of the water from the extra water skins for the alternative is to march to the steam cavern fully equipped with all their heavy gear, armor, and belongings and this will slow them down too much. They will soon enough be forced to march with it on their way to the moss lichen room but for now, just for now, it can be a little longer avoided. Some dice. The group led by Solus and Treya arrives at the steam cavern and they take their fill of water and they return to the cobalt barracks without incident. They also partake of the last of their rations, whilst the goblins are given none, in hopes that this will be a disadvantage to them should some combat break out. The binds on the goblins are checked, as are the blindfolds and the gags. Twyla during the march will be helped by her sister, Nim. The goblins are laden up with sacks and gear, for the group has accumulated some share of items. Likewise, each member of the group gears up in full armor and weaponry, so their move through the maze shall be 30 feet. The marching order is next chosen. Many in the group will be blind in the dark, but they are led, each by holding a long rope, which helps them find the way Light is precious, and they cannot squander it. Neither can they afford the chance of attracting dangerous creatures to them in the maze. Kailana is ready with her spell of illumination, should it be necessary, whilst those who can see in the dark are positioned near the front and the back as an extra measure of assurance. The marching order is as follows. Two goblins in the front threatened by Treya and Nora from behind. Next, one goblin, threatened from behind by Iona and Orson. Next, Kailana and Elan. Then, Twyla, helped by Nim. Then, Temek and Bardar. Then, Amazar and Kana. Then, Paola and Lilena, with Stockholm and Solus bringing up the rear. Some dice rolls to return to the Moss Lichen Room. When the group arrives at the Moss Lichen Room, the goblins are already there. Yet interestingly enough, upon that spot, a roaming creature's check has come up positive. Might it be the hobgoblins? No, it is not. The goblin leader, Maruk, is here. As is his prisoner, Celeste. He has brought a number of goblin thugs. Yet unexpectedly, they've been confronted by a bigger, meaner threat. A tribe of hyena men. They are arguing violently, and it looks as if a fight is about to break out any second. What happens next is bound to be very interesting very exciting and likely 
very deadly. Will the planned negotiation even take place? And is there any way that Celeste can even be rescued from the melee? And what of the hobgoblins? Are they on their way to? And whose side will they be on? Tune in next time to the Iron Realm Podcast, the culmination of all danger will soon be delivered unto you. Are you ready? Are they ready? Who will live and who will die?